Sergeant Tate surveyed the two soldiers before him. Farrell and Rook. They had been brought in on an ASC lorry, the driver having found them wandering about some miles behind the lines. Muddy and dishevelled, they had obviously been sleeping rough. He had seen this kind of thing before. Boys who got in a blue funk as they approached the line. Backsliders who tried to get the cushy jobs and sidesteppers who hung back hoping to stay out of trouble. It had to be nipped in the bud before it spread and caused more serious breaches of discipline. You went absent without leave, he said. George stood up very straight. Yes, sir. Sorry, sir. He nudged Rook, who mumbled an apology. He looked pretty ropey, George thought, although he had slept for hours in the lorry. He had woken complaining of a crushing headache and that chills were running up and down his back. He was standing to attention, but George saw that every now and then he was swaying forwards on his toes and then righting himself again. The sergeant eyed them suspiciously, wondering whether drink was involved. You'll have to explain yourself to the lieutenant, he said decisively, and led them from the farm buildings that served as billets, stores and guard room and out into a cobbled yard. An old seed drill stood beside the door, and Rook staggered against it, catching on to its rusty tines and then sinking down onto the cobbles as his knees gave way. Rook's sick, sir, George said. Rook's face had turned to a putty colour and he was sweating. He put his head down between his knees. The sergeant put his square hand on Rook's forehead and lifted up his head to look at his face and then let it fall again. He made an irritated noise, clicking his tongue against his teeth and called two men over who were shoveling horse manure into a cart. Take this man to the M.O., he ordered abruptly and they lifted Rook and put one arm over each shoulder. You, follow me, he said to George, and walked briskly away. George followed him out of the yard and along a short path towards a stone farmhouse missing half its roof. The timbers sagged from one gable end. The covering of terracotta pantiles was patchy, as if a moth-eaten quilt had been thrown across. The other gable stood bare, a steep triangle of stones, unconnected to anything. They climbed over rubble through a gap in the garden wall and picked their way through a plot of potatoes and leeks strewn with stones, shards of broken chimney pots and bits of tile and mortar. Wait here. The sergeant knocked at the door and went in. George took the opportunity to lean his back against the wall. Every bone ached and his clothes, undried, stuck to his skin in a cold and clammy embrace. He hugged his elbows to conserve as much warmth as possible at his core. Hearing the sound of several animated voices in discussion inside, he wished that Rook were with him to corroborate his story. Shivering all over, he could feel his skin quivering like a dog's. Sergeant Tate opened the door and motioned him in. A crude wooden stair went up from the hallway, and above it, chinks of light showed through gaps in the roof. Tate knocked on a door to the right, and a voice called, Enter. Several officers were sitting around an old deal table spread with maps and papers. 
George recognised Lyne, Carey and Hunton, but didn't know the other two men. He and Tate saluted smartly, and Lyne told them to stand at ease before returning to discussion with the others as they pored over one of the maps. The farmhouse kitchen was dim. The back window was covered in brick dust, and the front had been blown out and was hung with sacking to keep out the wind. The smell of burning wood came from a stove where a pot of water was set to heat. It warmed the room, and George longed to get nearer and thaw out his icy hands and feet. Makeshift beds stood along the walls, crude wooden frames supporting wire mesh, on which were spread out bedding rolls and blankets, and under which were a jumble of belongings, boots, field glasses...